Good evening. Hey. Phone didn't want to cooperate, didn't want to record, but it's recording now. Well, it's good to have this number out with us here at the second half of our worship service here at Booth Chapel. It's a whole different scenario this evening than it was this morning. This morning it was raining, and this evening we got sunshine glowing. It's like Clinton was saying, he went to sleep, it was, it was raining, we woke up, it was a whole nother day, the sunshine was shining, like he slept through the night. <laughs> we're definitely good to have each and every one with us here this evening. We're going to be in John chapter 10 this evening. So if you have your Bibles, be turning here with me to John chapter 10. This is where Christ refers to himself as the true shepherd. And also, in later on, he, he kind of changes note a little bit, and he calls himself the good shepherd, which is hand-in-hand hand as Christ is the same thing. But as we begin reading in John chapter 10, in the first verse, immediately before this, uh, Christ is really getting, trying to get across to these Jews. He's trying to get uh, the, the point across, you can't steal your salvation. You have to accept him, you have to come through him, and you have to be in him to even come to God, to be accepted, and to be able to even offer salvation, and God offer you salvation. Previous to John chapter 10, in verse 1, back up one verse. John chapter 9, verse 41. This is what Christ tells the Pharisees. Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, We see, therefore your sin remains. See, he's trying to get that point across unto them. What you're doing is wrong. The old way has been abolished, like artists read this morning in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. The idea of the old ways is done. That died with Christ on the cross. Now he's trying to instruct them, us as well as he is the good shepherd. They understood sheep. They understood how they functioned. They understood how they operated. They understood what involved in sheep. So chapter 10 of John, first verse. Most assuredly. I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. And this is Christ again talking to them, saying, you can't go around me. You can't go without me. You're trying to steal your salvation. It can't be done. Verse 2, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, the sheep follow him, for they know his voice, yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of a stranger. Now verse 6, Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. They were a little confused. They were still seeing Jesus as that carpenter son. They, they didn't see him as his true value, that being the Son of God, the Messiah. The one sent for them that they had been studying so much about. That king that they had been waiting on. That's who they were speaking to. That's who was trying to encourage them. That he's the, he's, he's the door. As he mentions in the next verse. But before that. Back up. In verse 4. And when he brings out his own sheep. He goes before them. And the sheep follow him. For they know his voice. Let's think about that scenario of a shepherd in the front, that being Christ as our shepherd. He's out front paving the way. Well, I would say paving the way. He's, he's chipping the way because it's a difficult path that we learned this morning, that straight gate. He's chipping away the path for us to follow and we're to follow in his footsteps. Now, when I say follow in his footsteps, I don't mean just walk the same path that he walked. I mean the same lifestyle, the way that we should carry ourselves, 
the way that we should conduct ourselves and how we are to be that Christian that we use so much as a, as a society out of context. You hear that word often, Christian, 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 Christian. The true gravity and meaning of Christian means to be Christ-like. I've said that many times. I'll continue to say that. Are we Christ-like? Are we behaving like a sheep? Yes, I know here at Booth Chapel we have a little bit of a joke about the sheep side and the goat side. I know that. But if we're actually following Jesus Christ this evening, when you walk through those doors in this, to this foyer, into this, into this auditorium, worshiping God, we're all sheep. Every one of us. If we're following Christ. Notice in the next verse. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger. Now we've been instructed about false prophets. We've been, we've been instructed about false teaching. We've also been uh, taught through God's word about the testing of those who are teaching. Now when I say that, what, 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 you're, what, what you're being taught, is it the truth? It's important to know if it's the truth or not. For the things that are being taught, the things that are being instructed, can the verse and teaching it back it up by Scripture? And not altering it, because it happens so much today. We can't alter the Scriptures as we understand. So as we are following Jesus and He is our shepherd, you ever seen a sheep? The difference between a sheep and a goat, goat's smart. A goat will go out there on his own and, and make his own path. Sound familiar? A sheep is going to be lost without a shepherd, his or her shepherd. So let's make sure we're not lost out there in the world. Let's make sure we're following our shepherd in the context of this lesson, that being Jesus Christ. Because if we're not following our shepherd, we're following a stranger. Guess who that stranger is in the context of this lesson? I hope Satan popped into your minds because that's exactly who it is. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him. Oh, now you see the context of Satan, can't you? As a child of God, we know we must flee away from Satan. The very thing that Jesus did, he told Satan, get behind me, Satan. In other words, I want nothing to do with you, Satan. Leave me alone, Satan. He sent him to the east, he sent him to the west, he sent him to the north, and he sent him to the south. Away from him. Nothing to do with him. Folks, that needs and must be us as a child of God today. It must. Because if not, we're following that stranger. And we're not fleeing from it. Remember that conversation that our Lord and Savior had with those Jews about who their father was? Well, they have, at first said Abraham's a father. They said, well, no, we're not born out of bondage. We're not, we're not a... Abraham is, of course, of our father, but God is our father. Well, previous to that, whenever they say, of course, Abraham's our father, but Jesus said, if, if Abraham would have been your father, you'd be doing the works of Abraham. They were not. So let's apply that to us today, about the idea of doing the works of God. Are we doing the works of God in our everyday walks of life? It's a requirement, folks. It's a requirement to be obedient unto him. Never wavering. He wants us to be the idea of perfect, not perfect like we're infallible, perfect as incomplete. How are we going to get there? By following our Lord and Savior. 
Now, if Jesus Christ had a little bit of a leg up on us, he was God. And he still is God. When he walked this earth, I'm referred to was because it was in past tense. He was God, folks, when he walked this earth. You and I have to struggle with it. We have to study the scriptures. We have to attend a Bible class. And we have to take it into our hearts and into our minds. Well, that's how we grow. That's how we need to learn how we are to walk in this earth. So as we can make our way to God himself. And in verse 6, it tells us they didn't understand what he was saying. He used his illustration as sheep so they would understand what he's talking about. But yet and still, they did not understand. So he changed his note. He says, okay, don't understand Jesus, the true shepherd. I am the true shepherd. I am the door. Oh, here we go. Verse 7. Then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Back in the sheepfold, remember this? <coughs> to him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Let me ask you this. When the gospel call come ringing out and you answered Guess who initiated that gospel call? By his arrival upon this earth, preaching the kingdom of God, and attracting those who needed him the most at that time unto him. Guess who initiated that? That's Christ. Christ opened that door. He opened that door by his death on the cross. <coughs> All who enter... I'm excusing me, verse 8. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. Those who came before Christ, thieves and robbers. There's only one way we can get to God, and Christ says that in John 14, 6. There's only one way to get to God, and it's through Him, through Jesus Christ. I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through or by me. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, those who try to come in through some other way. Because he says, before me, he hadn't come yet. His, his blood had not been shed yet. Thieves and robbers. Well, let's look at the, the purpose. I don't want to say the purpose. Let's look at the, the task or the job or the duty set by a thief and a robber. You ever, ever heard of a thief and a robber? We used to have a... a, a a member here, of course, he's passed now, Dayton Word. Many of y'all remember old Dayton Word. I liked old Dayton. I, I miss Dayton all the time. But I remember his story about that person breaking into his house. I, I use that every time somebody's stealing something. And also I use it again as, as forgiveness. Let's look at the duties of that thief and robber. Someone's going to come take your stuff. They're not going to give you a warning. They're not going to call, hey, you going to be home on Friday evening? Oh, you're not? Well, okay, well, I'm going to come take your stuff. They don't do that. Mm -mm. They come when you least expect it. That also sounds familiar again about the, the coming of the Lord as a thief in the night. But here we're talking about an actual thief and a robber. Someone who takes your things, who steals from you. You don't plan on giving it back. He's, he is keeping it. Thief and a robber. Let's look at old Satan. When he steals us away. Now he doesn't do it by some miraculous power. He entices us. He uses our wants and our wishes of this world against us. 
He uses our weaknesses against us. You remember the uh, temptation of Christ? Remember that? He uses Christ's weakness against him. Remember? 40 days Christ had been fasting. He said, just command these stones to become bread. What did Christ tell him? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by the word of God. What a wonderful passage. What a wonderful comeback that Jesus had for that. But Satan still uses those tools against us. He loves using them by stealing us away. Christ continues on in verse 9. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Can't get any more blatant than that, right? Verse 9. I am the door. He is the door to enter into the sheepfold where the sheep are. The sheep that hear the shepherd, that shepherd being Christ, because he then said he was a true shepherd. Not a false shepherd, but a true shepherd. Here he says he's the good shepherd. He's going to move on again and say it again. The thief, in verse 10, does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Well, let's look at the working, workings of Satan first before we move on to Christ and God. Satan comes to destroy you. That's, that's his want, that's his wishes. The term misery loves company comes to mind when I think of Satan's works out there in the world. We can see Satan's works running rampant. And on judgment day, oh, Satan's going to be full of misery. And those there with him are going to be full of misery as well. And he's happy with that thought. It saddens God with that thought, but his judgment is true. His judgment is just. According to his word, according to disobedient men and women, the sons of disobedience should expect the wrath of God. We didn't get to read that in Colossians this morning. But now when we think about this thief, that, that idea of Satan, he comes to steal away you from God. He comes to destroy your soul, to take you away from that connection to God. He takes you away to kill you. Keep in mind, God through Christ offers us life. I know that I have come, in verse 10, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Abundant. Abundantness. I know that's a horrible word, but if Daniel's here, I'd point at him and he'd smile. Abundant means more than is needed. Abundant. How about abundant life? That's what Christ offers us. All we have to do is say the very same thing that Abram did whenever he was told to kill his son Isaac. He said, Abraham, he said, here I am. In other ways, in, in other manners of speaking, here I am, use me. Here I am. Are we saying that to God today? Use me. Because as you use me today, I know abundant life awaits me. That's what God, through his son, offers. Doesn't that sound wonderful? To know that we have a loving God. Enough to save us on judgment day. We're going to hear that word again. The idea of being saved. I am the good shepherd. 
the good sheep gives his life for the sheep. And he's done that already. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. So he, and he moves on with this explanation of a sheep, shepherd, and a hireling. He's going to use this next word, a hireling. A hireling is someone that the shepherd hires to watch over the sheep as he can't do it. That hireling's just, just there. He, he's been hired to watch over the sheep. Right? The, uh, the sheep doesn't belong to the hireling. No, that's the shepherd's sheep. And then you have the hireling in the very next verse. But a hireling who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. In verse 12. We see false prophets. We see false teachings. We see misdirection. We see miscommunication. We see that today. Even until this day. But when the truth comes... What happens? They fight it so hard. I've seen it happen time and time again. I've even seen it happen personally with me trying to show someone who's been misled the right way. They fight. They argue. They want to hold on to that belief. That belief won't save you because it's not the truth. You know what Christ said? John eight thirty two. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Free your sins. Anything other than the truth won't make you free. Here we see a hireling see the wolf coming. Well, you can have it. I'm out of here. Jesus Christ gave his life for us. Verse 18, the hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. That sounds familiar again. About Satan. About his care for your soul. What is what has Satan sacrificed for you? Not one thing. He was punished, but that wasn't a sacrifice. He was punished. Remember old Lucifer? What happened to Lucifer? He was an angel. He was in heaven. He couldn't be held equal to God. He didn't want to be equal to God. He didn't want to be under God. He wanted to be equal with God, even over God. And he was cast out. Doomed to spend an eternity in that lake of fire. And that's coming, by the way. We see this hireling here, hired, and he ain't caring about the sheep. He goes right back with these Jews. They didn't care about the sheep. We see a person here caring about the sheep. That's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ even cares for you today. How can we say that? Because he is making intercession for us. He is at the right hand of God. Right there with us. Waiting for the timer to, to stop. Time stops and he gets to come and reclaim you. Those who are faithful. Isn't that wonderful? To have that thought and knowing that you have salvation waiting for you. You have someone to care enough for you to give their life for you. To not flee when the adversary comes. And then verse 14. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep. And am known by my own. Let me ask you. We had a, uh, we had a discussion here. It's been a good while ago about having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. 
We can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We can have that. We can know him. We can have him abide in us. We can love him that much. Because keep in mind, folks, he loves us. That's his wish. That's his want. That's his mission, if you will. The reason why he came to this earth. To show us the way. To create the way. To allow us an opportunity of life. If he had to come, life wouldn't be an option. Yeah, we're living here, but not everlasting life. That's what I'm referring to when I say life. Here in verse 14, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep. All right. I use this verse often. I use these three verses often. And I hope your mind went there. Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Verse 23, what does he say about those who pretended, who thought, didn't know, thought they had salvation? Because we can know. Remember John, uh, 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. He says well, we can know they have salvation if you believe in Christ. So you may continue to believe in Christ. So, so these are individuals in verse 23 of Matthew 7 that thought they had salvation waiting. They thought they was in good standings with God. They, they thought. Jesus here in verse 14 of John 10 says, I know my sheep. Does he know you today? Because on judgment day, if he doesn't know you, He's going to say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. In other words, you are not my sheep. Ooh, let's make sure we're his sheep. Let's make sure that we're not that goat. You know, that little inside joke we have here at Booth Chapel. And, and the goats and the sheep are departed on the left and the right. Let's make sure we're departing on the right by the way that we live. By the way that we follow Jesus Christ. Because back, excuse me, in verse 4, and when he brings out his own sheep, that being Jesus or the shepherd, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Are we following Christ today? Hopefully we are continually following Christ. Hopefully he knows us on judgment day. And then the rest of the second half of verse 14, and am known by my own. Let me ask you. Do you know Jesus Christ? Do you know who he is? Do you know what he stood for? And if you can answer yes in your minds, I know you're taking in the lesson, but if you answered yes into your mind, what a wonderful thought. To be able to know God. Yes, I said God. Because Jesus Christ was God. You want to dispute that? All right, let's turn back to John in the Gospel of John, the book that we're actually in, John chapter 1, verse 1. This is referring to Christ. In the beginning was the Word. And I said, well, wait a minute, that was, that was just the Word of God. No, that was Christ. And the Word was with God. All right, that was with God. And the Word was God. And then the Word was manifest a little bit later. And the Word became flesh in verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. There you go. Dispute proven. Dispute over. Argument over. This is God we're talking about. This is Jesus, whom we can know God. An attribute of God, whom we've seen through His Word, walking this earth. We can know Him. We can know how He lived. We can know how we live. And how do we measure up? 
And in verse 15 of John chapter 10, As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Isn't that wonderful? Yes, it was a horrible sacrifice. It was a horrible moment in Christ's life. Jesus' only doubt, remorseful thing was being separated from his fault. He knew he had to go to the cross. That was his mission. He knew this. In the garden, what did he pray for? That cup to be passed. But yet, still he went on. He said, your will be done, Heavenly Father. Your will be done and not mine. In verse 16. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them I also must bring, and they will hear my voice, and they will be one flock and one shepherd. Wow. Verse 16. When he is speaking 2,000 years ago, not of this flock, but other flocks. Do you realize that's us? That's us today, here in 2020. Wow. As he is bringing us with those whom he's talking to, the apostles, the disciples, all those who are faithful unto death. Does that sound familiar? It sounds very familiar. The very task that we have today. Yes, I don't I understand. We don't hear Christ's teachings like they did. We don't we don't have that opportunity. That was 2,000 plus years ago. I understand that. But we have his examples. We have his word written down here and before us. We can know the Son of God. We can know one third of God, that being Jesus Christ. How do we measure up? Verse 16, And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them I also must bring. The idea of us. He's bringing us to him through his word. They will hear my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd, one church, one faith, one baptism, one God, one salvation, all ones, folks. Flock, one flock. Therefore, my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. Verse 17, he knows his life is going to be removed from this earth. When he says this cup to be passed in the garden right before his arrest and, and crucifixion was not to survive. was not. This cup to be passed was him being separated from his father when he took on your sins. He took on my sins. He took on the sins of the entire world. That's what cup he wanted to be passed. To be separated from God for the very first time in his life. Because there will be no connection to God with sin. And a lot of people will dispute that. Why do you think the skies was darkened? Because the lamp of the world went out right before his death. But then, thankfully, for the graces of God, he was resurrected after those three days. He dies never again, and he's at the right hand of God right now waiting for the coming of him to reclaim us, those who are faithful. What a wonderful plan. What a flawless plan. The idea of a true shepherd that we have and the good shepherd as we're reading right now. In verse 17, again he says, Therefore my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me. 
but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. If you remember throughout the Gospels, and as, as Christ is teaching and instructing his, his disciples, of course he's instructing us today as we study, but he's, in, he's instructing his disciples the thing that they must do. Preaching the kingdom of God. He didn't remove anything that requires of salvation. He didn't leave anything out. He gave us and them everything that we and them needed for salvation. Unfortunately, it's us who leave things out. It's us who follow the wrong shepherd. As people, I don't mean here at Booth Chapel, sometimes we do and we repent. It's wonderful. It's a wonderful tool to quit following Satan and follow Jesus Christ. I mean people in general. They quit following Christ. They might hear him for a little while and then, oh, it's getting tough. Waves of the world just too much fun. I like the way I'm living and quit following. Revelations 2.10 does not say, be ye faithful for a little while and I will give you the crown of life. That is not what that says. It says, be ye faithful unto death. This is given to someone who's been baptized for the remission of sins. This is someone who is the sheep of the good shepherd or the sheep of the true shepherd. You and I. Those who are faithful. Not for a little while. It's not what it says. It says unto death. It's a continual faithfulness. Let's look at that term faithfulness for a few seconds. We do realize that faithfulness requires repentance. We're all fallible. We're all sinners. We all fall short, me included. I am thankful repentance is there. And I can follow that stranger for a little while, recognize well, this stranger can't offer me anything. I need to go back to the true shepherd, the good shepherd, Jesus. I need to go back to him and leave old Satan alone. Does that need to happen tonight? Folks, let's not walk out of these doors being lost. Let's not walk out of these doors following Satan. Allow Jesus Christ to be your shepherd before it's too late. Because keep in mind, he is coming. He's eagerly awaiting. Just as you and I who are faithful eagerly await, he is coming. Because he offers us everlasting life. Are we ready to take that promise? I use this often, I'm going to use it again. What if Christ came through those doors right now and said, all right, those who are faithful, let's go. Are you able to stand up and go with him? That being faithful. If you, if you was able to stand up in that moment and say, Jesus Christ, let's go. And honestly be able to say that and not lie to him. Wow. Keep it up. Good job. That's what it means to be a Christian. But unfortunately, we do fall. We short, we stumble, and we say, well, I can't stand up because of sin. I'm not faithful as I should be. How many times do we say that? Well, let's get faithful. Let's get right. Let's make, make, let's make sure we're following, hearing our Lord and Savior. Let him be your, your true shepherd. Let him be your good shepherd. Don't follow Satan because he can't promise you one thing. But pain and suffering, and that does not come from him. That comes from the punishment from our Heavenly Father to Him.
And those who follow Satan follow suit and they enjoy that outcome of that judgment seat. I use enjoy lightly because it's not going to be a joyous occasion. Pain, suffering, anguish, misery, and death. And I can't speak that any more loudly without raising my voice. Do not go there tonight. Why don't you enjoy everlasting life and let Jesus be your true shepherd as we stand as we sing a song of invitation. <laughs>